1956, Parlez Vous Woo was one of the final Popeye shorts in theaters. Now, I know I've talked about this before, but I figured I might as well bring it up again for those that may have not been able to see some of more, my more other takes on it, if you will. You see, to me, Parlez Vous Woo's is a very, I, I guess you could say, unique kind of special animated short um, you know, for me personally, mainly because it was the first time that I got introduced to what is now dubbed by TV tropes of all places, the lustful melt gag. And the reason I say that is because at the end of the short, olive oil, after being kissed uh, on the arm or on the hand by a now souped up international version of Popeye after he eats you know, gobbles down a second can of spinach to turn himself into basically an international version of himself. Uh, She turns red, steam comes out of her ears. She says the line, I'm just like butter in your hands. And literally, as she says that line, she melts into a flowing puddle of butter with only her smiling face, you know, on the puddle as it flows down the floor. And you pretty much get an indication that she flows down all the way towards the end of the room and just splashes there or whatever, but honestly, there are also, excuse me there, there's also little dry spots that appear in her puddle form after she's melted. You don't believe me, go and watch Palais Vous Vous and go to the end and you'll see what I mean. And kind of slow it down a little bit, you'll see what I'm talking about. But yeah, but yeah, Palais Vous Vous was the first, you know, time I ever got introduced to that gag. But what was more unique about it, though, was how more toony it was, I guess you could say, than any of the other Popeye cartoons. Now, even back when the Flesher uh, brothers were doing it and everything, you know, none of them were really as toony as, you know, they ended up being the moment King Syndicate and, I guess you could say, other animators like Paramount got their hands on it. Mainly because of the fact mainly because of the fact that as you got into, you know, the mid-40s, if you will, the early to mid-40s, late-40s and all that, the characters started to become more, well, as Olive usually gets described as, more, um, I guess you could say, rubber-hosey, if you will, more rubber-hosey. Now, Olive was always like that. I mean, one of the Dark one of the dark Tunes segments that Doug Walker does is a collaboration with James Rolfe. And they talk about the um, Happy Birthdays um, cartoon. And it's at the end where Olive falls through a hole in the floor and literally keeps falling till she enters into some pipes. You see her body impressions in the pipes. And then as she's going right into the cylinder or whatever it is, the boiler, whatever it is, at the bottom of the of the complex, you see this big old lump like she's getting eaten, like, gulp, you know, and then that's it. You know, that's pretty much the end. Until she comes out of it and leaves Popeye in there. But anyway, anyway, she's always been very rubber hosey. But she's more specifically rubber hosey later on, like I said, when we get into the early to mid-40s. And not only does she come more rubbery, rubbery, Hosey, if you will, in her, you know, in her character, but she becomes more toony. Same with Popeye, same with Bluto, you know. But when I'm talking about more toony, I'm talking about the fact if you did a scale of 
you know, one to three of who is the more tuniest, if you will, you might say, oh, well, Popeye's got to be the most tuniest because when he eats his spinach, you know, he does all these kind of things with his arms and stuff like that, and that is true. But the same could be said for all the other characters in the Popeye theatrical shorts and later on in the television shorts, you know, either the very limited animation one by King Features or the ones that were done by Hannibal Barra and Ruby Spears, well, mostly Hannibal Barra. But the point I'm getting at is if you were to rank a scale of one to three, you know, three, I mean, one, I mean, uh, one to three, and three being the highest, Olive would be at three. Because as we got in, because if you notice, you go into the 40s and into, you know, the 50s, but mainly the early to mid 40s and late, early, or basically throughout the 40s, let's just put it that way, throughout the 40s, she would become more toony. Uh, more tunier, I should say, than, than Popeye and Bluto combined. I mean, the fact that, let's say, let's look at Fistic Mystic, for example. When Bluto sees her for the first time, he takes out his flute, plays it, you know, directing, directly, hypnotically directly at her, and instead of just walking towards him, like arms are stretching out, or just walking towards him and all that, what does she do? She starts getting all wiggly and all that, she goes down, and literally starts slithering towards him like a snake and even wrapping herself around him. And when he kisses her, she ends up doing her first um, I'm just like butter in her hands uh, gag. But the difference with her, uh, and I think this is where TV Tropes gets a little confused, the difference between her doing it there in Fistic Mystic and then her doing it in Palais Voos Woos is basically when she you know, does it there in Fistic Mystic, she, her, she basically slides out of his arms and her body contorts to the steps that she's flowing down. Basically, the way she's flowing down, though, is she, gets, is she kind of flattens out like she got ran over by, let's say, a steamroller or something like, let's say, an old piano gag they used to use in a lot of cartoons when a character is trying to escape a piano being pushed down the stairs and they get hit by it. And then the first thing you see is the piano, and the next thing you see is the character coming down, the body contorting and flat, you know, flat and contorted to the stairs. That's basically how she was in Fistic Mystic when she first did her butter, her I'm just like butter in the hands kind of gag. Basically, she slid down, blew to, slid out of his arms, and her body contorted, turned yellow, but contorted down the little steps as if she got flattened by a piano. In Palais Vuvuz, though, at the end, she literally melts. She literally melts to the point that she doesn't even talk, you know, after she's completely melted. No. Yeah, she says the line, you know, that I'm just like butter in your hands as she's melting. But then as she's completely melted, she doesn't talk. All you see is her smiling face as she's flowing down. In Fistic Mystic, in Fistic Mystic, she turns yellow as she's, you know, sliding out of Bluto's arms, and that's when, and as she's contorting down the stairs, that's when she says it. So there is a difference. There is a difference, and again, I think that's where TV tropes gets a little confused. But again, getting back to the point here, Olive was always looked at, in my opinion, as the more tuniest out of the three. Especially you got into the uh, '40s run of the cartoons and into the uh, early to you know, mid to late 50s, if you will. And there was a lot of examples. Like I said, Fistic Mystic is a good one. Uh, there's a cartoon, I don't know if it's the same one, with that the amusement park, and she gets, 
basically dragged into a taffy machine and then spit out, wrapped up in a taffy wrapper and everything. You know, you know, there's that. There's beach peach, of course, which, you know, again, you would say, well, wait a minute, I thought you knew how to swim and all that. But no, you have her basically not knowing how to swim, going down, doing the one, two, three kind of gag that we see in a lot of cartoons at that time and everything. You know, and you kind of see a little bit of tuniness there as well, um, if you will. See a little bit of tuniness, tuniness there. And then... And then we have other examples um, as well. We have other examples uh, throughout. But to me, Palais Vu's Woos is probably the best example. Because throughout the cartoon, anything that gets mentioned you know, by the International, which, by the way, is a parody of the Intercontinental, who was a real-life, uh, I guess you could say, te- television personality of the, romantic, of the romantic kind, you know, you know, anytime somebody did something or said something, like the international would say, your eye would tell Olive in the female viewing audience, your eyes are like limpet pools. What would Olive do? Olive would close. I'll tell you what she would do. She would close her eyes, open them up, and they would literally turn into limpet pools, literally. And then, and then when Bluto shows up disguised as the international, and everything, and he ends up kissing her. Her arm gets all wiggly and everything. We've seen it before, but not as toony, not as wiggly and toony as we saw it here. You know, hair stands up, heart, her eyes become heart-like and everything. And then when Popeye tries to do it, she turns her eyes. Oh, she, she basically gets surrounded by a block of ice or something. But anyway, again, very, very cartoony in everything. Um, more so than, I think, on any of the other Popeye shorts before it and even after. And to me, this is probably the most, you know, perfect example, perfect example of Olive being more toony, more cartoony, I should say, than, you know, Popeye and Bluto, Wimpy and all of them combined. More toony than I think you could ever imagine. Because, again, the way, the way the cartoon ends, she literally says that line again, you know, kind of paraphrasing it a little differently. But she says the line again like she did in Sophistic Mystic. But this time after she, you know, as she says, she says, you know, as she gets to the ending of saying it, where she's like, I'm just, you know, like, she gets to the ending, she says, like, butter in, hand, butter in your hand. She says the final parts of butter in your hands. Literally, she goes quiet, and next thing you know, like I say, it's her smiling face on the puddle just flowing down. So, so yeah, to me, this was probably the most toony Olive has ever been, I think, in any of the Popeye shorts. Past, you know, and even present, if you want to look at it that way. Or past, or beginning to end, I should say. Beginning to end. You know, she's probably the most tuniest she's ever been. And if there's any others that she's more toony in that you know of that I'm not aware of, let me know. Let me know. But... Another thing about, but another thing about this cartoon, even though people look at it and they say this has basically, and this is true, you know, you can go out and you can ask anybody out there, but this is indeed true. This has the most beautiful designed olive in history. No joke. Everybody will look at this and say, out of all the olives, modernized, you know, beginning, 
whatever, in between, whatever, everybody will agree that this is the most beautiful, you know, vivacious, gorgeous looking olive they've seen. And this olive that they're saying this about basically ends the short by becoming a puddle of butter. Literally. Literally. But yeah, people look at that and they say, this is the most prettiest olive they have ever, ever, you know, seen, you know, period. It's the, it's the prettiest, the prettiest olive they have ever seen. No, no joke. No joke. Now, there is something about the, you know, the, the, the cartoon, though, that people will kind of crap on about. You know, they will kind of, you know, crap on about. And that is, once again, it plays a lot, despite it being one of the more toonier, more cartoonier uh, Popeye shorts, in my opinion, ever, of all time. People will still crap on it, or crap on a certain element about it. An element we have seen before. And that is the fact that Olive, you know, gets so infatuated with this international, just like at times, depending on the story, she gets infatuated with a Bluto or Bluto-like character or the Brutus Bruto-like character, that she is blind to the fact that she is blind to the fact that what she has or what she's always wanted is always being in front of her. Because she looks at this international and she, you know, she is all dressed up and everything, and it's like, why is she, and you look at this, and you're like, why is she dressed up while, you know, Popeye's in his sailor outfit, what's going on here, right, and again, it's another example of what people hate about these shorts, and sometimes hate about Olive, the fact that, like I said, she gets too blinded to the fact that what she's always wanted is right in front of her, you know, it's right in front of her, and she just doesn't see it, because she's too blinded by the idea that, hey, I might get chosen to go out with the International. Because the story plot, or the subplot of this, as to why she's dressed up and why she's acting the way she is, kind of delaying going out on her date with you know, Popeye and everything, is because all of a sudden the International, at the end of his program, throws out the fact, or throws out the notion of, you know, to, to Olive and all the female viewing audience, hey, ladies, stay indoors, don't go out, because you never know if I'm going to show up and knock on your door tonight and take you out. You know, she's blinded by that. She's, she's blinded by that, in, they, on that, you know, that idea that, this, that, that, that she could end up being one of the millions of you know, female viewers that's watching at the same time that could get picked up by this guy for a date. She's, too blind, she's so blinded by that that she doesn't realize that when the quote-unquote international does show up, that it's actually Bluto. And the reason Bluto is disguised as him is because Bluto wanted to be the one to take her out, but Popeye beat him to it. So he takes advantage of this, and basically, you know, he basically shaves his beard, trims up his mustache, makes him look like, makes himself look closely, you know, closely similar or identical to the international, and it's enough to basically fool Olive. It's basically enough to fool Olive. But you see, he, you see, here's the other thing that, again, people don't like about this. You could tell that Popeye, in a way, could tell something's off, but he, does, but he, can't, really, but he can't really say. He can't really say that you know, something is off because 
he doesn't have enough proof. It's like he sees this guy and he's like, hmm, I, I know it's got to be, I know who this, I know it's Bluto, but I can't prove it. I can't take all of a side and say, this guy's not the international without her getting mad, without hurting her feelings. So he can't, uh, you know, he can't approach this without proof until he gets his opportunity, which is at the end, when it seemingly looks like the international or Bluto has stabbed him with a sword after winning a sword fight. But then basically what Bluto ends up doing as an idiot, he ends up sticking him in the chest, but where his spinach is basically packed away. You know, where he carries his spinach, which of course when Bluto sees it, Bluto kind of, you know, he gives a shocked look on his face. Like, you know, when he gets a shocked look on his face, when he pulls the spinach out and then sees it's opened, you know, sees what he's actually stabbed, you know, he gets this look on his face like, oh, blank, you know, I'm screwed now. You know, because literally he is. Because the moment Popeye, you know, eats the spinach as it's leaking out of the can and gains his superpower, if you will, not only does he out, you know, best, you know, Bluto, international, whatever you want to call him, you know, with the sword fight, but he's able to basically cut up, you know, he basically takes the opportunity, essentially, to reveal the truth to all of saying, ha, see, see, this guy is not the international. It's Bluto. And even Olive, disappointed in all that, notices it. Because even she calls it out saying, it's a fake, it's Bluto. And, and again, is this one thing fans have always disdained about this kind of a plot, despite how creative sometimes it could get with the outtakes, the, you know, with the wild takes, I should say, and the goofiness and everything. The one thing they just cannot accept from this or enjoy about it is the fact that she always gets fooled. And it's, all, it's that she always gets, what I'm trying to say is, let me work. What I'm trying to say is that she always gets fooled. This is the one thing fans don't like about these shorts sometimes is, like I said, despite the creativity and the uniqueness and the wild takes that might go into these stories, you know, the one thing they don't like is the plot is always usually the same. You know, you might have somebody else in Bluto's role and, you know, that's fine. You know, that's fine. You could have somebody else in his role, you know, and that's fine. But the point is it's always, always the same. You know, nothing is different. Nothing, you know, is, you know, nothing really changes. I mean, there are a few exceptions here and there. There's no doubt. Some of the earlier shorts have shown that. But most of the time, you don't see that. You don't really see that. You know, it's always the same thing. And that's what irritates fans when it comes to these shorts. You know, that's what really irritates them. And here is just another example that Olive gets fooled, Popeye is suspicious, basically like he knows this is not the real deal, you know, he kind of knows this has got to be his rival, but he can't prove it until he gets an opportunity, and the opportunity does finally present himself, and or present itself, I should say, the opportunity does finally present itself, and that's when he's able to basically say, okay, I got my spinach, I got my strength now, thanks to my spinach, so, okay, you're done for. Time, for. time for the truth to be revealed. Out, you know, out goes the sword. Pins him, you know, pins him up against the wall. And you know, out comes the suit and say, there you go. There's your, there's your international. There's the guy that was trying to take you out. 
And again, it's, it's something that you would think, you would think as a fan, Olive should be wise to, or even Popeye, you know, should be wise to. I mean, yes, like I said, Popeye does have an idea in most of these at times, or in some of these, that, you know, the person that's suddenly showing up, up and everything, and sweet-talking Olive, you know, either it's in the, either, you know, it's an, you know, uh, seemingly a good character, but but obviously not a wolf in sheep's clothing, if you will. Um, you know, Popeye basically, you know, he could see through it. He just can't do anything about it unless he has proof, or unless that person that he's right about reveals the true colors. And there are some cases in previous shorts where that has happened, where Popeye has a a gut feeling that this individual, he can't be trusted. I don't, you know, this, this guy's got a different agenda. And usually he turns out right. He turns out right. Like in Beach Peach, he wasn't right about that blonde-headed, Bluto-like lifeguard, you know, being, you know, all nice and everything. But because he's hunk, you know, just because he's all hunky and everything, he was right about it. And why? Because the moment they do like a little diving contest, okay, the lifeguard goes, fine, no problem. But then when Popeye goes, what does the lifeguard do? Instead of keeping the uh, water in the pool, he just takes a big old plug and is like, okay, (laughs) bye-bye. You're done. And this shocks Olive because now Olive's realizing, oh, crap, Popeye was right. And again, it's one of those situations to where you would think, you know, you would think by now with a short like this, even infatuated by the international or whatever, she would be wise to it, but she's not. She's not because she's so blinded by the idea that the international could show up and take her out. Out of all the millions of women he could choose. You know, she, she's got this infatuation. So what does Bluto do? He takes advantage of that. And again, it's one of those kind of scenarios to where Bluto takes advantage of it and Popeye can see through it, but... He, he can't prove it until he gets an opportunity, and he does. But outside of, you know, the, outside of the same typical trope, which I will admit, you know, which I will admit, honestly, as we got towards the end of the theatrical run, needed to really change. And there were times as we got towards the end, it did change. It did change. Like Spooky Swabs was a nice change of uh, pace and everything. But I will admit that the whole Popeye Bluto olive thing and, you know, her not really realizing the truth about Bluto, the Bluto, Brutus-like character and everything. You know, look, you know, I'll admit it is kind of annoying. And I also will admit that her not figuring out that, hey, you know, the International just showed up at my door out of nowhere, but he does seem vaguely familiar. It's like she... Like you would think she'd you know catch on to it, but she doesn't because stories like this have to have her blinded to the idea that this is the real deal. But outside of that, outside of that, uh, you know, I have to admit that this was really good. This was a really good short, and like I said, it introduced me to the lustful milk gag because of the ending. And ironically, what's crazy is like a couple of days later, I'm watching, and and it was on the same block. Let me tell you this right now. It was in the mid-80s, 1986, I think, 1985-86. It was on WTBS. It was the Tom and Jerry Super Fun House. And one day, I'm watching the, I'm watching the Fun House, and Paulet's Voo-Woo's come on. So, and that's when I got first introduced, like I said, to this gag, although it didn't have a name at that time. 
But then a couple of days later, same channel, same block, you know, we, and, you know, same, you know, same channel, same block and everything, you know, same show. And what did we end up get? A couple of days later, we ended up getting the Porky Pig short, Swooner Crooner. And in Swooner Crooner, what happened? We have one of the hens that's getting swooned by Frank Sinatra-like, you know, chicken or rooster. And this hen, this you know, black and brown hen, I say that with all due respect, ends up saying his name and literally melts into a quivering puddle of goo. With just a little frill at the top, like... You know, and and that's it. And oh, on top of that, she not only melts into a quivering puddle of goo with a little fool on top, but she melts. But as she's, but as she completely melts and everything, she ends up quivering afterwards as well, like she's a fried egg, or well, she's become a fried egg or something. But yeah, that's when I first got introduced to it. And like I said, ironically, ironically, we ended up getting Suna Kruna later. You know, right after that, you know. Uh, release-wise, Suna Kruna came out way before Palais Vuvuz, but still, you know, it was kind of ironic at the timing. And then, of course, Tiny Toons would utilize this, and, you know, you, Tiny Toons and Animaniacs, I should say, would utilize this a lot uh, in, their, in their shows. I mean, Europe in 30 Minutes, Looney Beginning, Acme Bowl, Wonderful Tiny Toon Christmas, you know, Moon Over Minerva, Meet Minerva. You know, space probed, you know, you name it. You know, she would basically, you know, she would, you know, not she, but they would basically use this gag a lot. They would use this gag a lot. And I'm, so I got a little distracted. I was just looking at my window at what my neighbors were doing. Uh, but yeah, basically they would, you know, they would get distracted. You know, they would use this uh, a lot. They would. You know, and then of course shows that came out later on, like Captain Flamingo with Blindsided and Elizabeth doing it, and a few others, uh, Groove High, and the animated sequences there. You know, you you see it happening on and off, and you know, on and off here and there. And I'm hoping that Luniversity, Tiny Toon Luniversity, has it as well. It's got to have it. Because if because if you're teaching because if the main premise of it is hey we're teaching gags to this new generation of tunes that's got to be on there that's got to be one of the gags that's on there or at least some kind of interpretation of it but outside but again like I said outside of all that you know this was the first this cartoon was the first one that introduced me to it and I can't say any more than that. But let me know what your thoughts are, guys. Super Chats are open during the premiere in the live chat. Also, support me at my Patreon at BW Rosas. Also, check me out at DeviantArt at BVW1979. Check me out at BW Rosas Discussions on all your favorite audio podcast locations. But more specifically, check me out at Spotify. The more you listen to me on Spotify and follow me there, the more it'll get me an opportunity to get the ambassador ads opened up so, I can, so that, too, can financially help me in the long run. But guys, let me know what your thoughts are. Also check out the Teespring store as well. But guys, give me your thoughts. What was your first thoughts when you saw Palais Vuz, this 1956 Popeye short? What were your thoughts on it? How did you feel about, you know, the ending with Olive doing the butter thing? How did you feel about that? When was that your first time getting introduced to this, you know, lustful milk gag egg and all that? How did, you know, let me know down below. Comment if you like. What do you also think about the whole Olive, this whole... 
you know, this whole you know arc that you know, well not arc, but this whole storyline sometimes that get that's gotten mostly utilized at times, where she doesn't see. You know, you see that she already has somebody in Popeye because she's blinded by other things and all that. Let me know what your thoughts are. Comment below, like, share, donate, premiere, and I'm out.